What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with us on this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Arico, and I am your host. I'm also the lead fantasy baseball analyst for Sports Ethos, and you guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit me up there. You get links to my shows, different threads, other random thoughts throughout the day. And you can also go ahead and shoot me DMs or tweet right at me. I'll try and get back to your questions as soon as I can. Usually people are asking uh, ad drop questions, trade questions. So go ahead. If you guys are new, uh, I'll try to answer all your questions on Twitter. Typically, I'll get back to you within an hour. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. So apologies there if it does. You guys, I would really also appreciate leaving a five-star review on the show. Even a four-star review, any kind of positive feedback left on the show would be really great. We're trying to move up in search results here. I think we're in week 11 of the show now, so we're still still in our early days. But uh, definitely, we really appreciate any positive feedback you guys can leave. So with all that being said, let's get into the actual content here. We're going to start by going over some of yesterday's top performers. A few pitchers I want to focus on, a couple position players as well. But we're going to be focusing on a few pitchers here uh, in a moment. We are also going to look ahead to a couple of today's more intriguing matchups, specifically with regards to the starting pitching. And then we are going to look at some of the more added players today. So why don't we start with Luis Castillo? He was the top performer in terms of Yahoo points yesterday. Uh, He went six innings. He got the victory against the Red Sox at Fenway. Struck out 10, gave up three walks and one hit. No earned runs for Luis Castillo yesterday. It was great to see. First time on the year that he had gone a scoreless outing. And it's the second victory of the year, which, I mean, the victories are not going to be coming very frequently for the Red staff. They've been better recently, no doubt. They've been better. They actually had a winning month last month. Uh, they were 14 and 13. And Castillo helped them to clinch that winning month. But I don't expect to see too many wins from their starting pitchers going forward. And that kind of limits the value uh, a tad for Castillo and Tyler Molly, guys like that. So I don't think they're going to trade Castillo. I think Tyler Molly is a lot more likely to be dealt. And it's not out of the realm of possibility that Castillo could be dealt. I've heard his name talked about, but I feel like he's probably someone who's going to be there more long term. And that will kind of limit him this season in terms of the wins he'll have. That's the main category. And when you're looking at starting pitching, there's only four categories that they contribute to because they're not going to contribute to saves. If they're not really contributing to wins, then they got to be really elite with the strikeouts and with the uh, ratio categories, ERA and WHIP. So far, he's been very good. And he's someone that I thought was going to be like a Cy Young candidate. Probably at this stage, I would have expected it. Last year, I thought really highly of him. I drafted him very high in a couple of leagues, and I got burned by him. You guys remember Luis Castillo from last year, those of you who rostered him especially, I'm sure. So we got burned a little bit by him there. Overall, I, I like him. I like him going forward. I just think there's going to be limited upside playing for the Reds because, like I said, they're a bad team. They're not going to win a ton of games. He'll definitely help them get a few wins in games where they maybe shouldn't have. But overall, you're going to be looking at single-digit wins on the season, most likely for Castillo. So he's going to have to be very elite in the strikeout, in the whip, in the ERA categories to be able to hold, to be able to hold value. And he, he should he shouldn't have too much problem holding value. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, the wins are not going to be great. I don't think it's really great to roster any red starters. I have Tyler Molly in a lot of leagues, and I've regretted it. Despite the fact that he's looked better out his last couple of times, there's going to be limited possibilities for victories. And like I said, that's a huge category. It's, it's, a, it's a hard category to, to pin down because it's just random, right? Uh, Adam Simber, the reliever for the Toronto Blue Jays, has five wins already. And we have Jordan Montgomery who just picked up his first win of the season last night after really being fantastic to this point in the season. It just shows you 
you can't really base wins off of much other than team performance. Sorry, Adam Simber actually has six wins, not five. Uh, you can't really base <clears throat> wins off of anything other than team performance. And then even if you look at team performance, you look at the Yankees, uh, Montgomery just got his first win yesterday. So it's really hard. Uh, it's a really hard category to pin down properly. So I try and look for the more, uh, I don't know, the better, the better probabilities in terms of acquiring wins. So Luis Castillo for me is someone that I would honestly probably be trying to trade I like him and I'm fine with keeping him, but like I said, he's going to have to be really, really elite in the whip, in the ERA, in the strikeout categories to hold a lot of value, and I just don't really see that happening. Uh, he's very good. He's at times very. He's at times great. Uh, he was great last night. I just, I don't know. There's something there, and I think it's a lot of it comes down to the fact of the team he plays for, but. I, I'm leaning towards trying to sell him right now, and I think it's not a bad time to be doing so. Let's move on to Adam Wainwright. He's done it again. Uh, I didn't think he'd be able to have a proper season even last year uh, of value, but this year he's come out of the gates very strong. He's only had a couple of subpar outings, and last night was his best outing of the season, pretty much hands down. Didn't get the victory, but he went seven innings, two-hit ball, no earned runs, uh, and he struck out 10 batters. Season high, 115 pitches. They're really pushing him there, going 115. But he's pitched to a 275 ERA. He does have five victories to this point of the season, and that kind of goes back to my point about Castillo. The better team, you're going to have more chances for the pitchers to get wins. And it doesn't even really matter so much. It does to some degree, but in terms of the scale of the pitcher, sometimes you see massive discrepancies. A guy who's really not that great, who's already won a bunch of games, and then we have a guy like Jordan Montgomery, who we'll get to in a second, who <clears throat> just won his first game, and I think it's 10 starts in now, playing for the team with the best record in, I, I believe, all of Major League Baseball still. I think they're still number one. It's, it's hard to understand, but it's, it's baseball, right? Wins are a weird category. It's why some people don't like to use the win category. I'm more of a purist, so I like the classic 5 by 5 wins, saves, ERA, whip, and strikeouts, and then the, the classic five batting categories as well. Uh, but I do understand people who play with different kinds of categories because wins are kind of out of the pitcher's hand. And it's it, it's not really fair, honestly, to have it as a category. If you really dive into it, it, it probably shouldn't be there, uh, especially when you look at a guy like Montgomery who's thrown 10 games. His ERA is 3.04. The whip is 1.01. Yeah, he doesn't strike out a ton of batters, but – He's definitely earned himself more than one victory throughout the season. Uh, the Yankees have done everything they can in his starts to not get him the victories. So those will start to turn around. And this is my long-winded way, my five-minute way of saying it's better to have pitchers who are pitching for good teams. Even if you have a great pitcher who pitches for a poor team, uh, even like a Frankie Montes, who we'll also talk about, he'll have a lot more value once he gets traded because there will just be a lot more opportunities for him to get victories. So that is... That, that, that's just the point I want, I'd like to drive home. Uh, Montes, throughout 11 games, only has two victories himself. So rule of thumb, even heading into next draft season or if you're looking at the waiver wire, and it it's, feels like common sense, but it's not always. The better teams, you're, you're going to want their players. It's basic, but it's, it's very true, and it's an easy way to succeed in fantasy. You take the players who are available on the best teams. And a lot of the time, you're not going to be able to do that because a lot of them are taken early and they're drafted and whatnot. <clears throat> but you have a guy like Jordan Montgomery here who's rostered in 56% of leagues. 56% of leagues. 
He is in the starting rotation of the best team in baseball at this point. He goes out there every five days, and he gives you a, a serious chance to win. There's only one game, sorry, two games this season. Well, one of them was the first game of the year where they weren't really stretching people out. But since opening day, there's only been one outing where he didn't go five innings. He's also only given up three earned runs twice on the season. And that kind of value, that kind of production for a great team, he just shouldn't be as available as he is. He's only 56% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. He goes out there every five days, and he gives you a chance uh, at a victory. Even though it hasn't come to fruition yet, the victories will come. It's, it's just going to happen. It doesn't continue like this the whole season for someone who's pitching this well. And I, I'm just not a huge fan of having wins as a category, and I, I'm kind of a purist at the same time. So that's why I never really push in my leagues to have it changed. But I do understand people who don't like having wins uh, as a category for that reason. Let's talk about uh, George Kirby a little bit here. He had his best start in the majors, arguably. Uh, maybe you could say that first start, but they're pretty similar. They went six innings in both of them, gave up four hits in both of them. Uh, yesterday, he actually got the victory, his first victory of his major league career, and he struck out eight batters uh, in Baltimore. Granted, yes, it was against the Orioles, but really great stuff out of Kirby nonetheless. He's only 46% rostered on Yahoo, and he should be someone who holds value throughout the season. He is very stingy with letting up base runners. He's only walked three batters compared to his 28 strikeouts in 26 innings. And this is very similar to what we saw from him throughout the minors. Now, does it worry me a little bit that he jumped right from AA to the majors? It does a touch, yeah, but he's adjusted pretty well so far. So I'm not overly worried about having him on my team. I have him on a couple of rosters, uh, 12 and 10 team rosters. I think he's probably okay in 10 team leagues more so 12 and deeper I'd be really okay with it but he's pretty much going to be okay to roster everywhere as far as I see it uh good strikeout numbers low walk numbers the Mariners haven't been great to this point but I expect them to be a little bit better down the stretch uh no problem at all with picking up Kirby there and riding it out at least as long as you can have it right out for uh if if he starts to suck later on then you drop him but for now he should be rostered and that will also apply to the next gentleman we'll be talking about here, who I don't know how he continues to do it, but it's Martin Perez. And he has had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight good starts in a row now. I, I know when we had Nick Pollock on, he was talking about how his changeup, how he can really dot his changeup uh, on the outside corner there to right-handers or inside to left-handers. Not that you use lefty-lefty changeup so much, but... He's been really great with his changeup and locating it. He's not going to blow you away with the speed of the strikeouts, but he's just really a location guy. He thrives on placing his pitches where they need to be. And to this point, he's done just that. He's 4-2, and two, the win-loss record, 1.42 ERA. He's got the .93 whip. I mean, he's only striking out about seven batters per nine innings, but that hasn't been the basis of his value. It's been the really low uh, ratio numbers, the ERA and the whip. He's got some wins. And he's still putting together typically between five and seven strikeouts a night. So he has definitely had value to this point. It's a classic uh, Vargas rule, like Nick said when he was on the show last week. It's And that rule, for those of you who don't know, it, rep- it applies to a pitcher who is historically not a great pitcher. They come out of the gate flying, and you roster them, and you start them until they hurt you, pretty much. Uh, it, talking about Jason Vargas from his 2017 season, and we're seeing something kind of similar here, it appears, with Martin Perez because he's not somebody historically who's ever done this. His career ERA sits around 
Like I said, he's never been a big strikeout guy. He's just good at locating his pitches this season, uh, more so than he has been in the past. So he does have a lot of lot of success uh, to this point in the season. He is someone who is still going to be a sell high for me. He'll be a sell high forever. Uh, well, forever until he falls back to earth, which will inevitably happen, and then he won't have a ton of value. He'll probably, this is unfortunate, and it hurts to say it, and it'll hurt to hear it, but he'll probably be on waiver wires by the end of the season. Uh, this could be a miracle season, but I, I would say my gut tells me that this is going to be probably maybe another couple starts, and then we're going to start to see a serious decline here because you know history will repeat itself. So at his age, I think he's 31, you typically don't just change your makeup as a pitcher and and become successful after being kind of a back end of the rotation guy for your whole career. It's very rare to see this. Uh, he's not pitching for a particularly great team. I'm going to be trying to sell him, and I don't think you're going to be able to do a one-for-one one there necessarily, or if you will, you won't get a ton of value. I would try and package him up with someone else who's overperforming and try and aim for someone who is underperforming. Now, what combination of players that would be, it's really hard to say. There's so many different leagues and formats and different fantasy sites that, that rule things differently. It's hard to give you precise names here. But if you're talking about trading Martin Perez uh, on his own, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably not going to be able to get too much back for him. You might be able to squeeze a top 75 player, in which case I would do it in a heartbeat. But the players that he's ranked around to this point in the season... Like, he's just a tad above Sandy Alcantara and Musgrove, Pablo Lopez. He's ranked higher than them in category leagues to this point. You're never going to be able to make that kind of trade unless the managers in your league are, are very foolish. To put it very politely, I could have been a lot ruder there. You'd have to be really foolish to make that kind of trade. So ah, I, I'm saying one-on-one -on -one is probably not going to work. You package up Perez with another guy on your team – you can maybe get like a top 50 kind of player back there. Might be pushing your luck, but uh, as I've said in the past, no one can really predict what another person's league mates are going to do in terms of accepting a trade or countering or declining, whatever. You can't really predict it. Uh, every league is different. Every, every person is so different in this world. It's hard to really, not to get too deep on you guys there, but it's really hard to predict what another person is going to say to a trade offer. So Martin Perez... He's gone well enough. What did I say? Eight in a row. Good starts. He's done well enough at this point that he might warrant a look from some other managers if you've been facing him and you might say, oh, my God, this guy's been fantastic. Maybe there's some people who don't dig too deep into the numbers who don't really know Martin Perez who will jump on him. I'm, I'm saying try and look for those people. Try and find someone who will buy him because he's not going to have value like this for a long time. He'll have maybe back-end value. A lot of it will be tied into these early starts and the fact that it'll take a while for the numbers to correct themselves. But I don't think we're going to see greatness going forward from Martin Perez. It's it just, it's just unlikely. So I would be trying to sell him uh, maybe not so hard, but I'd, I'd be decently aggressive in trying to, in trying to sell him. He's going to be someone who falls off a cliff. And when he does, it'll be very tough to get back. Let's talk briefly about Frankie Montes. He had a very good start yesterday Went seven innings, gave up seven hits, two earned runs, struck out five. And I think it was Jeff Passan who tweeted out something this morning about Frankie Montes, something to do with him and his uh, trade likelihood. It was, um, was it Passan? No, sorry, it was John Morosi. He was talking about Frankie Montes. 
as being a potential fit for the White Sox and for the Cardinals. Would be very interesting to see him in both of those locations. I I don't know exactly. I've, I haven't really predicted too much in terms of destinations. I mean, Tyler Molly, I think well, what I predicted was that he was going to go to the Angels. I'm really not sure about that. Montes, I, I honestly don't know. Uh, to this point, he's he's got a lot of trade value, I'd say. He's pitched with a 3.20 ERA, and his whip is just below one. It's at .99. Strikes out a lot of batters. He's able to eat up a lot of innings. He typically goes six or seven innings. So I think he'll have a lot of trade value. I think a lot of contenders will be in on Frankie Montes. And it might be a good time in your leagues to try and buy Montes before he goes to a contender. I think that his, I don't know, his outlook uh, will look a lot better once he's playing for a better team. He's only got two wins through his, is it 11 starts? I think he started 11 games. He's got two wins. That's just, that's really tough for fantasy managers. Like I said, if you're in a five by five category league, it's one of your categories that's just not getting touched really at all by someone who's a very good pitcher. He's, his last win came on April the 18th. It's just it's it's tough in in category leagues to hold a guy like that. And obviously, you're not going to get rid of him. There's no getting rid of him. But a, a trade might be uh, mutually beneficial for – I mean, it'll be beneficial for him to get out of there for sure because – it's it's becoming a crap heap around him. I, no, not meant to be disrespectful, really, but I I know it's going to come off that way. But they, it's just so it's such a brutal team. They just don't care about their wins. So he's not going to get many of them because the front office doesn't put a successful team around him and around the rest of the players that can really win ball games. So once he gets out of there, it'll be huge for his trade value. And I honestly can see arguments for buying and selling in uh, fantasy leagues. I'm going to be trying to buy him because right now, as he's on Oakland and he doesn't win a lot of ball games, I don't think the value is going to be too, too high. He's hovering around the 100 ranking. I think he's like the 101st ranked player on the season. So he's not going to be like too, too expensive right now. Once he goes to a serious contender, he'll start winning more ball games. I'd look for him to shoot up those rankings. So if there's a little bit of uh, buy low because of the team he plays on, because he hasn't had a win in a month and a half, then I would try and exploit that, and I would try and get a deal done for him. Let's talk about Alejandro Kirk. He hit two home runs yesterday. He scored twice. He drove in four. 34.8 fantasy points on Yahoo. He was the highest-scoring position player of the day yesterday. Third-highest-scoring player in total behind Wainwright and Castillo. And a big reason why the Blue Jays were able to come away with the victory. I think that's six wins in a row for the Blue Jays, so... Great job there. They've kind of corrected their course. Uh, and it's nice to see Alejandro Kirk show a bit of that power flash. We haven't seen him hit a home run in a long time. His last home run came on May the 5th at Cleveland. And those are his three home runs on the season. The power is going to be there. It's not going to be like massive power, but he should have somewhere around, I'd say, 20 home run potential. Uh between 15 and 20 home runs is totally possible for him. The batting average, I think, is going to be somewhere in that like 280 kind of range. And I see him, honestly, as being kind of like a Kiebert Ruiz uh, outlook. That kind of similar player with a little bit more power, that's, I think they're going to be pretty close. Uh, and that, that's just me, right? Kirk has more power. Ruiz will steal maybe an odd base. He's got a couple steals this year, actually. Um, but you're going to see, I think, a similar kind of outlook for both of those guys. Now, in terms of the Blue Jays and rostering him and what's going to happen, they have Danny Jansen, who also plays pretty regularly and also has been swinging a very nice bat to this point in the season. 
So that'll be some opportunity taken away from Kirk there as they platoon a little bit. Now, Kirky will get some chances at DH, but Charlie Montoyo and the Blue Jays like to rotate around that DH. They like to give Vladimir Guerrero a day off. They like to give George Springer some days off. Teoscar Hernandez, uh, everybody, they like to rotate around and give some days off. So it's not it's not a bad spot, obviously. He'll DH some days, uh, Kirk will. But there's also a lot of other guys who will DH. So I don't see the playing time being a, a great outlook going forward, especially when you factor in Gabriel Moreno, the Jays' top prospect, who I think he'll possibly be up at some point this year. It's hard to say. I don't think they're going to rush him with how deep they are at the catcher spot. Uh, it's a good problem to have the Blue Jays, three really solid catchers, specifically Moreno. We don't really know how good he can be yet, but he's very highly touted prospect. Um I would expect them to see one of these guys moved throughout the season, whether it's Jansen or Kirk. Maybe we get back a piece of bullpen depth or uh, another starter. I'm really not sure. But it would be a a win-now kind of move if you're going to trade one of those guys. I would imagine it would probably be Alejandro Kirk gets traded if one of them does get traded. So if he did get traded to a team that didn't have another catcher, that would do wonders for his fantasy value specifically if it wasn't you know a a shitty team if he goes to a good team with a strong lineup around him then fantastic especially if he's the everyday catcher then he's must roster Uh, right now I think he's worth adding in a lot of cases but I don't know that he's gonna be must roster going forward just because of the other catchers there Jansen will get some starts if Moreno comes up then they're really gonna have a problem then you might only see Kirk playing maybe three days a week or something if Moreno did come up it, it's really hard to predict what they're going to do exactly. Uh, someone who follows this team, you guys know that I am from Toronto. I follow the Jays more than I follow the other teams. I do keep up with all of it, but of course you're going to favor the team you cheer for a little bit. So I keep up with the Jays a little bit more closely than the other teams, and it's honestly very hard to say what's going to happen with this catching platoon. So I'm adding Kirk right now. I've added him in a couple of different leagues I've added him before this two-home run night last night, so there was a couple of leagues where I was very happy. And shout-out to our buddy Rob Silver, who did come on the show, who is a huge Alejandro Kirk fan. If you're listening, Rob, congrats, because you were right on about this the whole time. Uh, you were Even when people were poo-pooing Alejandro Kirk, you were uh, always one of his biggest supporters. And last night, I'm sure, was great for you, even though you were uh, talking on Twitter a little bit. He's got Lucas Giolito in one of his leagues, so... Definitely a bit of a mixed bag, but I think that the uh, the Canadian and Rob will take the couple of home runs from Kirk and the Blue Jays' victory there. I just, I like Kirk. I really like him, and I think he's going to be a great player. And he started to come along as a catcher, too. So they they have the opportunity to play him uh, behind the plate more so than just at DH, where he was in his early days with the club. He wasn't behind the plate too much, and now they can actually put him back there. But there's just a lot of options that the Jays have. Like I said, they like to rotate a lot of guys through the DH slot. So uh, for me, he's an add. But uh, I was asked earlier today if you should drop Tyler Stevenson for him. I said no. I don't think you should be dropping Tyler Stevenson. For me, he has more of a solidified role. Yes, the team is not as good around him. But he's still a guy who can hit about 300. Should be able to give you about 15 home runs. And he'll play more consistently than Kirk. So for right now, I'm taking Stevenson. If there is some kind of trade... If Kirk does get sent out of town to bring in whoever uh, and he goes to a spot that doesn't have a a great primary catcher, then, yeah, he'd be added immediately right there. Let's talk about some of the more intriguing matchups today. 
The first one that really caught my eye is the 6 o'clock game, 6 o'clock Eastern time game between the Giants and the Phillies. Carlos Rodon and Aaron Nola. That will be the pitching matchup. And honestly, I need to see more out of Carlos Rodon. The last three games, he's combined to strike out 11 batters. The game before that, he struck out 12. That's not going to cut it. Yes, St. Louis, tough team. San Diego, tough team. The St. Louis start in particular was really bad. He gave up eight earned runs a couple times uh, ago. His last time out against Cincinnati on the road, and yes, tough ballpark, great American ballpark. He went five and a third, gave up seven hits, three earned runs. He had two strikeouts, and one of them was a clip that was going around. I forget who he struck out, but it was it was a brutal strike three call. It should not have been a strikeout. So really, he should have only had one strikeout there. Uh, it's very, very concerning considering that he started the year off with 12 and 9 and 8 and 9 and 12 again. And now we're seeing these last couple of times out, he's really fallen down to earth. So it's... It's it's a tough it's a tough play for me to say we're going to be starting him regardless uh, at Philadelphia here. Philadelphia has really struggled. They've really struggled, but they do have a lot of pop in their lineup. It's something that I've mentioned a lot of times. Even in the games that they lose, they've lost the last three games. They scored four runs. Before that, we have uh, two runs and then six, four, four, five, seven. They do score a lot of runs. So I don't know that in a home matchup where they do have a hitter-friendly ballpark there, I don't really know that I'm going to be suggesting Carlos Rodon as a play tonight. Now, his counterpart, Aaron Nola, is kind of going the other way in terms of their trajectories. He's had a couple of very good starts, and I know there was a four-earned run game in there mixed in, but he did get the Dodgers, and he got the Dodgers in consecutive starts. So tough opponents, and in those two starts, he gave up six earned runs combined, struck out 17. It's not bad. And then he followed that up with a game where he worked into the ninth inning against the Braves. In Atlanta, struck out 10, only one earned run. He is definitely on an upward trajectory. The ERA is up at uh, 356, or I should say it's down at 356 because it's been higher than that this season. Massive strikeout numbers from Nola. And like I said, he's looked very good his last couple times out after starting off the season a little bit shaky. So I'm going to be all right with starting Nola here. Rodon is a little bit iffier for me. I'm honestly not really sold on him, as much, certainly not as much as I was earlier on in the season. So right now for me, he's going to be a sit and wait it out until we get him correcting whatever the hell it is going on because these last couple of times out he's really not looked great this is not a matchup where I'm going to be trying to uh, use him because you'd be getting lucky here if he has a good outing to be honest with you it could happen but it's it's not something that I'm going to be forecasting so we're going to be sitting him down for me in the leagues where I have him I'm going to be sitting him down today now the second game that is really interesting to me in terms of the pitching matchup is the Blue Jays and the White Sox and Michael Kopech and Hyunjin Ryu so we'll start with Kopech. He has been outstanding through his 42 innings. He's not allowed a home run. He has walked quite a few batters. He's walked 19 guys through 42 innings, but he's keeping the runs down. Six earned runs through his 42 innings. He has not yet allowed a home run. So I'm interested to see if he can keep that streak going tonight against the Blue Jays lineup that's starting to figure itself out a little bit. We saw it uh, over the last few games. They've won six in a row. Double-digit scoring nights in uh, Anaheim there. So they've started to figure it out a little bit. We need to see everybody come together, and then hopefully we'll see some more success out of the Blue Jays going forward. It's a tough matchup for Kopech. You're going to be starting him just because of how good he's been here. But I'm a little nervous. Uh, very hitter-friendly ballpark in Toronto. He is a little bit due, to be honest with you. Without, uh, without trying to jinx the guy, he has had a lot of good starts in a row. It's a tough matchup. I know we're going to be starting him, but I'm a little nervous about it. I would be avoiding him in your DFS lineups 
it's it's got uh, it's got a bunch of red flags for me there in terms of Kopech. A lot of walks, not yet giving up a home run leads me to believe that he's kind of due. And sometimes that it's a very imperfect science of when someone is due. But a lot of times you can look at numbers and see trends. It's like, uh, I don't know. You go this many games, you go eight starts without giving up a home run. <sighs> the control, we've seen a little bit wonky with the walks. So I, all it takes is one mistake over the middle of the plate, and it's a home run. So I, I am, I'm thinking we're going to see a couple of long balls from the Blue Jays tonight. Overall, I'm going to be trying to avoid him. I understand if you roster him in a season-long league, it's going to be very hard to sit him down because of how good he has been. But I think we need to be very cautious with Kopech tonight. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu on the other side is coming off three straight very good starts. Uh, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, and Los Angeles most recently. Strikeouts are not really there. I'd like to see him definitely get the strikeout number back. Uh, Considering especially he's making $20 million, we'd like to see him do a little bit better than he is. He's got to work his way back from his uh, injury. Uh, I think it was elbow. Yeah, he had some elbow stuff and a couple of different things. So we need to maybe give him a little bit more time, but from what we've seen since he's come back from the injured list, he's been very good. We're looking at a Chicago lineup that night to night is not very impressive right now. Uh, last night, you look at the top three, and okay, we got Grandal, Vaughn, and Abreu, and then we keep going down the line, and you've got... Berger and Sheets and Engel and McGuire and Harrison and Mendick. And, I mean, the average baseball fan is not going to be able to name any of those players that I just listed off. I mean, yes, okay, Abreu and Grandal, Andrew Vaughn, even the uh, most baseball fans probably don't know who Andrew Vaughn is unless you're, you know, a fantasy player or you're just a big baseball person. Maybe you do. A lot of these guys are kind of unknown. So, and that doesn't necessarily mean they're not good, but it kind of does in this case. They're just they're not they're not great. So I'm pretty okay. I was very surprised with last night seeing Kevin Gosman not have a great start. But we look at the uh, White Sox offensive ranks. They're 26th in runs scored. They're 28th in on base percentage. They're 17th in batting average. So uh, that's not terrible. But 27th in OPS, 23rd in home runs. Where they're a bottom tier offense at this point in the season. So I think that Ryu can have a decent outing here. He's about 50% rostered on Yahoo. So there is availability to grab him. I think that this is not a bad outing for him. Uh, Now, if you're a team where you're kind of struggling for strikeouts to begin with and you need to make up your strikeouts through your streaming spots, Ryu is probably not the greatest guy to be grabbing. But if you're a team that's already dominated by strikeout kind of pitchers, like your McClanahan's and Garrett Coles and whoever, then maybe I can understand uh, using an ad on Ryu here because you're not really adding him for strikeouts to begin with, more of a ratio slash win kind of guy, and I think there's a good opportunity for that here. So I think Hyunjin Ryu is a good ad in leagues where he's still available tonight. Let's take a look at a couple of the more popular plays this morning on the waiver wire. There's a couple of guys who are being added in more leagues than other guys, and we'll dive into them a little bit here. So Jeffrey Springs, uh, he's been added. He's the most added player today so far. He is facing the Rangers tonight. I think that he's a really strong stream for those leagues where he's not already at it. And he was mentioned in the article I wrote over the weekend. Something like 33% rostered on Yahoo and 8-something on ESPN. Those numbers have ticked up a little bit, but they're still nowhere near where they should be. His strikeout number is 27%, and it's down from last year. I think it was 33%, which you're not going to be able to sustain that. That's, that's a very high strikeout number. It's lower than it was last year but it's still elite at 27%. He's only walking 5.7% of batters. He's about 2 or 3% below the league average there. 
Now, he won't continue to strand 92% of base runners, but his ERA versus his expected ERA, we're looking at a one-run difference, roughly, 1.62 to 2.67. It indicates that he's probably going to be able to sustain the success, even though the base runners will start to come in a little bit more than they have. Obviously, 92% is unrealistic. We're typically looking at about 70% across Major League Baseball. So that number will fix itself out a little bit. But I think regardless of that, Springs is a strong stream today and going forward as well. I think he's a really strong play. Let's talk about Tyrone Taylor. He's been on fire. He's hitting 333 with five homers and 18 driven in over the last month. He's not going to blow you away, but he does hit the ball very hard. He's got a 43.6 hard hit percentage. He's a nice, good short-term ad here. Uh, not someone who's going to be a season-long mainstay on your rosters, but he's someone who you can add in the interim who will be able to give you a little bit of a power boost. Oh, Andrew Kirk, we already talked about. He is 12 for his last 27, and if you expand that over the last month, 25 for his last 69. Pretty solid stuff. Uh, really, really solid stuff. So, Honestly, I think the Jays probably do trade Kirk at some point. As much as it kind of hurts uh, the Blue Jay fan in me, it kind of hurts. There's just not room for him there. So when Kirk does, if and when he does go to a different team, that would open up a lot of value for me there for him. If it is Danny Jansen that's traded and then you're looking at a Kirk and Moreno platoon, I could still see there being some value there. Or if Moreno is just not called up and we're just looking at uh, Jansen and Kirk, then yes, there's still value there. Moreno is what muddies the waters and complicates the equation a little bit here. He's going to be fantastic when he comes up, Moreno, I'm sure, because every prospect is fantastic when they come up, right? But no, that's just some tongue-in-cheek nonsense. He's, he should be great. He should be fantastic when he comes up, and that will limit uh, Kirk and Jansen's at-bats. So that is why I'm a little bit cautious on adding Kirky. I love the guy. I think he's got a really great swing. Uh, granted, yes, he has negative zero power, or negative zero speed, I should say. Uh, but he is going to be able to help you in your average and power RBI categories. So overall, I think he's a short-term ad for now with the potential to be rest-of-season guy, depending on what happens in situation. But I wouldn't be dropping any catching mainstays. I wouldn't be dropping, um, you know, like a Tyler Stevenson or a Kiebert Ruiz for him because those are a couple of the names that I've had asked about today in terms of a swap for Kirk, and I just can't advocate for that. That's a little bit uh, too much for me there. Those guys have secure everyday catching jobs, granted not on great teams, but they're going to play pretty much every single day, five days a week, six days a week maybe, uh, bet between four and six days a week at least. And Kirky will probably be the same, but there will be weeks where it'll be certainly lower, especially if Moreno gets called up. So that's where my caution comes from a little bit there for Kirky. Guys, that is going to do it for us for today. Thank you to all new listeners and old. Both of you are all very appreciated. If you are new to the show, we'd really appreciate you guys leaving a five-star review on the podcast, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, whoever. I know not every single site lets you leave a review, but if you're on Apple, that would be the best one to do it, Apple or Spotify. Hit us with the five-star button. We'd really appreciate that. Also really appreciate you guys hitting the follow button on Twitter. It's at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. We are on the track to 1,000, some 800-some-odd followers. We're hoping to get to 1,000. My goal is by the All-Star break, but I'm thinking maybe we can get there before then with your guys' help. So go ahead, hit the follow button there. Uh, take a look at my threads, different show links, other random thoughts that go out throughout the day. And 
yeah, that will be our show, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you guys want to see any other content, different kind of content, I'm always open to messages, uh, questions, comments, concerns, whatever. Hit me up in the DMs on Twitter. I will always answer them. Whoever you are, I will get back to you. So send me a message there. Trade questions, free agent, whatever, uh, waiver wire acquisitions, whatever it may be. Sit, start. I'm there for you guys. I spend most of my days researching this stuff. So I'm here to help you guys. I'm a resource for you guys. So use it. (laughs) Use the knowledge that I am acquiring every day to help your fantasy teams. And hopefully by the end of the season, we'll have some fantasy championships that we have won together. So with that being said, We'll see you here tomorrow, and hope you guys have a fantastic day. Cheers, everyone.